Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Inner Fight Podcast. My guest today is back on the show, and he's the first person to be on the show twice within 12 months. Therefore, he's very special. He was on episode number 795. His name is Jamie McConnell. He is a golf pro here in Dubai. But more than that, that's, why do we have to identify people by what they do? Probably gives a point of connection. You might remember listening to him on episode 795. If you don't, then I highly recommend you go back and have a listen to that show. I get him back today because he's had an incredible year. He's been on what I know he knows, but he's quite modest about in the show. A really inspiring journey for a lot of us here at Inner Fight, and I'm sure for a lot of people within the golf world and his friends and family around the world. In June this year, he completed an Ironman triathlon, 3.9K swim, 180K bike, and a marathon, 42.195. We talk about that a little bit, but more than anything, he shares about how he's grown as a human being, how he's I believe become, again, he won't say it, but I definitely believe he's become a better coach, probably or definitely a better athlete. And he was always a great human being, but he's even better right now. This week's show announcements. Yes, if you're watching the video version, you will notice a different backdrop. I'm back in the UK. I've come to see mom, come to take care of her. If you're not watching the video version, please watch the video version from time to time. Hop over to YouTube, our YouTube channel, Inner Fight. There are loads and loads of different bits of content on there. And there are loads of outtakes from the show, which if you like certain parts of the show, what we thought were the good parts, they've been slimmed down into smaller chunks of content, which A, you could share. On YouTube, you can share videos that you like to your own playlist. And B, you could share them with other people. That would be cool as well. Anyway. This week's show notes, I want to wish you season's greetings. And I also want to tell you that this will be the last big show of the year, the last Friday show of the year. We do have a show on Monday, short five-minute Monday show, but I'm taking a break from the show. No one needs to listen to me over the Christmas period. People maybe need to listen to the guests, but don't need to listen to me. There are plenty of shows we've done this year. Go back, have a listen, or maybe just have a break from listening to people like me talk to other people that I normally speak to and have a walk and have a talk to someone in person or read a book. Anyway, this is the last big show of the year and I wanna thank you guys for all of the support throughout this year. Everyone that's listened, everyone that's shared and everyone that's been on the show. You're all very special and I really do appreciate you. At the gym, there are still classes. The gym is not having a break for Christmas. We never have a break. Fitness doesn't stop. Your fitness can take a little break, can have a little bit of periodization, but the gym will be open. On Christmas day, there will be a class. On Boxing Day, there will be a class. For those people that are not celebrating Christmas, we need to service them. And for the people that are celebrating Christmas and do want to come and have a sweat, either on Christmas day or after Christmas on Boxing Day, the gym will be open. The schedule is slightly altered, so drop us a WhatsApp, drop us an email, or just hop over to MindBody and you will see the altered schedule. Endurance team are still also holding all of their sessions pretty much. There is a track on the Tuesday 26th after Christmas. 
I don't think there will be a cycling skills that is not cycling skills on Monday on Christmas Day. However, there might be some people going riding. So if you want to stay involved or get involved in some of the endurance community, things that are going on, give them a shout. The easiest way to get that information is through Instagram. So give them a shout, if underscore endurance. If you're looking for a gift, my last announcement, if you're looking for a gift this Christmas, you could gift this beautiful hat. Or you could give... See, if you're not watching the video version these days, there's certain things that you don't get to see, this beautiful hat that I'm wearing. However, if you are lost for a gift and you want to gift someone the gift of fitness, then that is totally possible. You could gift them a certain number of classes, you could give them some personal training, or you could just gift them an hour with a coach, just for a chat. If that sounds like something you want to do, give us a shout, winning at innerfight.com and we would happily take care of you. It's also quite an easy gift. Like you don't have to go to a mall. Anyway, that's it for this week's show announcements. I will see you back in 2024 for more announcements and for more shows. But let's get into today's show. This is episode number 864 of the Inner Fight Podcast. Another round. Jamie McConnell. Enjoy the show. Let's do it. Another round. Another <laughs> round. Back nine. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it was actually, I was thinking about it. It was the start of the year when we uh, when we first chatted. Yeah. What's the biggest coaching challenge you've had in 2023? Biggest coaching challenge? <laughs> it's a good question, actually. I think, um, I suppose the bit... The biggest coaching challenge in a way has been probably progressing my own coaching, which might sound a bit that's weird, but life. like, yeah, I suppose that's something I've tried to do a lot of this year has been uh, like more, a lot of it from a reflective point of view, but also yeah. where you want to go and where you want to take it. Do you have a coach? A uh, golf coach? No, I, don't, I, I would definitely consider Claude is, yeah. is part of my coach, but I don't have somebody specific but i tr i've tried this year to learn from a lot of different people and what they do and mm. like i said it's probably i've never really been very very reflective myself in the past but i've definitely done a lot of that this year and i think kind of just trying to decide where to go forward with things and how yeah. to go forward with it and what it is i need to do i've definitely put a lot more time in it this year than than any why year. do you think in the past you hadn't you hadn't done a lot of reflection i don't know I I definitely was somebody who didn't I suppose I didn't see the value in it. Mm. I don't know why. I like I can't and there's a lot of things I didn't see value in that I now do. Yeah. Um like simple things like journaling stuff. Yeah. I just never I was just never into it. I just I I would always give the answer of yeah, it's great for some people and you know if you enjoy it great do it, but I kind of I don't know what changed this year, but I definitely have learned that and like even in terms of looking at every, I've actually got a handwritten journal. So every lesson I've given for the last three months, I've tried to write down and summarize the lesson within a sentence or two. Wow. To try and, because if I can't do it within a sentence or two, I don't think I've done a good job of explaining to the person in a simple enough form. Yeah. So if it's taken half a page to write down what was in that lesson or what the takeaways were, then to <laughs> me, I've probably given too much to too the much. person and they can't, kind of sift through it themselves because if I'm struggling to sift through it, God only knows what they've gone away with. So it's interesting, isn't it? I think that's a, 
I mean, there's two there's two things going on here. There's your own sort of personal development, and there's also coaching development. And one thing that I see a lot in more junior coaches is that they will try and give loads within that hour. Like someone's with me for an hour, I've got to give them loads. So if they were to do a summary at the end, they'd want to write down, I taught them this, I taught yeah. them that, I taught them the other. But you're now, because you're yeah. so mature in the coaching cycle, you've kind of gone the other way. It's like, I need one sentence. Yeah, definitely. Which and, that's and, awesome. And I just think it's, even for me, like when, you, when you're reflecting like that, you also very quickly give yourself feedback as to whether you gave a good lesson or not. Like there's times I'll walk out of a lesson and I won't be happy with it. Yeah. And if I go to that book, I can very quickly say why, but I can also plan what that person will get next. So if they're in the following week with me, I can go, okay, that didn't go well. I need a way to fix that. Yeah. And I've got a couple of days to think about it before I have to actually deliver it. So if yeah. I come out of a lesson really annoyed or really frustrated about what I've given or how I felt it went, um, and it actually happened with one of my students a couple of weeks ago. I just He was just having a bad day and a hard time and it just wasn't going his way and he didn't hit it great in the lesson, but it annoyed me so much that I just couldn't get him out of that funk. So the next time he came in, I had a really clear, like systematic approach to how I did it. Yeah. And he just got it straight away and it just completely changed the whole vibe of the lesson. And I think it's, yeah, it's just, it's something that this year I kind of focused on and did and, you know, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how I want to go about it, but it's definitely helped me a lot with it. How many lessons on average or how many hours on average do you spend a day like teaching people? Probably in my diary, about 10, 11 hours. Right. Yeah. So you've got a really good sort of, you can, I'm just thinking about the amount of data points that you've got. You've got quite a few of and you could almost, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but almost like a scoring system of, okay, I was a, I was a five out of five in that lesson or I was a three out of five or a one out of five. And then you can extrapolate that and actually you can look at trends in your own, definitely in your own teaching. Yeah, definitely. And like you even notice how, how certain things, like when you get tired or you yeah. haven't eaten, like you, if I haven't eaten at a certain point in the evening, you definitely notice the last maybe two lessons in the day are affected. So like, again, trying to hit like a window of, right, five o'clock, I'm going to eat. And then you feel fresh for the last couple. So, yeah. you know, little things like that I've noticed with focus and, you know, even sleep and stuff like that. It's, it's obviously been an interesting year because from doing the Ironman and stuff, I noticed around about the tail end of that, when your hours are so high, you're trying to maintain work and training it's like you definitely notice you get a little cattier and a little bit more um, not ag aggressive is the wrong word, but you definitely react yeah. a little quicker. It's harder to stay calm. Yeah. Whereas now you're the other side of that. Now it's like it's almost very, very easy because you've had to work through times where you've wanted to maybe lose your shit a little bit. And yeah. now that you're kind of quite in quite a nice space and you're not training 25 hours a week or whatever it is, it's <laughs> like you feel like you've got a little bit more rested and... Yeah, it kind of all comes back to that. We so. should congratulate you, mate. Obviously, since the last time we spoke, you completed a Ironman, full distance Ironman. Yeah. 3.8K swim, 100 or 3.85, almost 3.9K <laughs> swim, really, isn't it? 180K bike and a 42.2 kilometer marathon or 42.195 for those that are a little bit pernickety about things. Which, as you said there, mate, you blended. 20 to 25 hours of training into 
10 hours up to 10 or 11 hours a day of, of golf tuition, yeah. which is, is you must, I mean, it's a great time, isn't it? Towards the end of the year, people sort of looking back and you must look back and go, fucking hell, I was busy. Yeah. Do you know, I, I look back, I can't remember what I was doing last week, but I, after uh, I got up early, early one morning to do, it was like a turbo session. And I was just like, I don't know how I did this for six months. <laughs> I just couldn't like, it. it's weird. It's like, Looking back and it, it's like you had such a clear goal for six months. Mm. But now that you're out of that goal and there's like, okay, you've got smaller goals coming up, but like there's nothing big, big, big that I've got planned. Mm. It's like you kind of go, how did I do that? Like how did I get on a bike at 2 a.m. in the morning and go do 140K one night? And like you have all these different things, but it's, yeah, I suppose it's natural. It's good to ebb and flow because if you just stay on it all the time, you just... That's what I was going to say, right? periodization. I mean, yeah. I, do you use periodization in golf based on the season? Do you know, it's something that we've, I've actually thought about it a little bit more, I suppose on a smaller scale, even being how we prepare for tournaments because golfers traditionally just ramp up coming to tournaments. Mm. So if you're six, seven, eight weeks out, you might be taking it easy. Yeah. And as you get to the final week, you're literally like pushing harder and harder and harder. And it, it's something that like interested me because... Obviously, doing triathlon, you do the opposite. You taper coming into it. Yeah. But, like, I don't see why you wouldn't taper it off being a golfer either. Because you end up getting to the tournament and you're almost so tired from the prep and the build-up and everything that's going on. Like, you're at peak anxiety level almost. Yeah, for sure. But it's something that I've been playing around, especially with one of, the, one of the girls that are coaching. We've had, like, little runs of two, three weeks breaks. And what we've tried to do is peak in the middle of it and taper it a little bit as she's traveling to an event and yeah. just tick over for the last couple of days it's worked quite well so it's generally we don't have periodization except for like maybe technical changes in weeks that are off yes and attempts to recover but the season tends to be so full-on and it just turns over but was it alien for at. you then mate like when you were going into the la the latter stages of ironman training that you've come with golf, you're, you're the other way around. We're ramping it up and we're sharpening things and the volume's high before the competition. Whereas in triathlon, it was yeah spun around. Yeah, I Did hate, you find I it weird? Tapered. I absolutely hated the last two weeks. Really? Yeah. The, <laughs> when it's weird, you go from like just feeling so strong and so fit, even though you're tired, Yeah. to like just lethargic. It's a, it's a very, I can't describe it, like it's a very strange feeling. That's where, horrible. And in Ireland, because I'd come out of the full Ironman, when we were doing the half Ironman, it was a much shorter taper. And I, <clears throat> I preferred that. Mm. I just found like you were almost into it. It was a couple of days travel, get there, take over. But yeah, it's a very strange feeling. Like as you come to an event, you're not doing much. Yeah. It's, um, but you have to, again, I suppose you have to because your, your body's just been through so much for so long. It's you like, have to, mate. But yeah, I guess there's, there's two things. There's, I mean, what, what's known as taper syndrome and you can look it up there's a there's a lot about it and then you're almost the way that you've been programmed and the way that you've programmed people in golf and you're going you're going against it yeah. so there's no there's no wonder you didn't feel yeah you didn't feel quite quite yourself yeah. it gives you a big itch though that's the thing like you yeah by the time you get over that it's like you just want to get going and like you're you're so excited to get going it's such a nice feeling to just feel like you can go all right this is this is it. like i remember waking i remember the day before and like tom would come over to the house and stuff and yeah it was just like everybody was like ready and you just couldn't wait till to wake up one more it's like one more sleep one to more christmas sleep, yeah. it's like right this is it and you get up and you go and yeah no it's uh 
it's a strange feeling, but I think you can learn from from both, right? Like some some athletes, I'm sure that you do, would probably prefer a shorter taper and just feel better on it. Yeah, some, yeah, yeah. Some will say that they prefer a shorter one and then not perform well, and then have a longer one. And some people won't really have too much of a like for a lot of. I don't know for some of the people that I coach I, I don't even tell them like I won't even say a lot of the time that's a taper I just say we're just going to relax a bit this week and you know trick them into it <laughs> yeah maybe mate maybe it's a maybe it's a trick I know from obviously mate from doing or what I felt from you doing your Ironman you probably turned a few heads in your industry be it with colleagues or be it with clients talk to us a little bit about the impact was it a shock golf pro does iron man triathlon how is all of that received i think it was more me doing it because they just don't i suppose i don't look like somebody who should probably do an iron man like i walk a little bit funny and you know like i'm a bit bigger than most people that probably do them and yeah. i'm not traditionally like i've only done this for a couple of years and i think people just thought it was a bit mad <laughs> I just don't think people I, I like there's a lot of people you'd say you're doing an Ironman to and they just look at you and go yeah all right yeah, yeah like, as if, really? like, they don't really <laughs> but um yeah you just kind of you just keep taking over you don't notice it coming in a way yeah do you know what I mean like you it seems so big and I remember I remember when I watched like Jad and Rob two weeks before I think that was when it really hit me the scale of this and yeah. the difficulty of it I think that was like, oh, God, this is like... And I'm just obviously at that stage coming into taper week and you're like, this is going to be hard. Like, this is... Because you know their run times and you know what they run like and you can see, obviously, the different times within a race. Maybe there's difficulties and stuff. And then you're like, oh, this is this is tough. This is going to be um, hard. But yeah, you just kind of get on with it. It's just it's one of those things. Like, all you can do is start and just hopefully finish. <laughs> do you <laughs> know what I mean? Like, it's like... There's a starting point and an end point, and like you just got to get from one to the other, and yeah, you know that's that's all you can do. But yeah, you get some funny. I think a lot of you know a lot of the higher level guys that I would coach or work with, like quite respected that you were doing something like that, mm. that you were you were trying to you were having to get up at four a.m. to train and still make it into work for seven, and you know they could see that you were pushing as hard as they were in their sport, and then to the guys who were slacking off like it was an easy little punch you can give to them and just go geez i'm doing this as an amateur for fun and you're getting up at 11 or 12 and hitting <laughs> balls for an hour and going home it's like it's not the level that you should be at so yeah, yeah it's an interesting balance to strike for so sure leading leading or setting a great example in another discipline as well i think yeah. that's what that's how i saw it mate like Obviously, you're you're well respected within within golf, and you've you've led what you've led there. But then you go and do something in another in another sport that yeah, I mean, mate, I, I remember uh, January of 2021. You know, when when we worked together for the what was it even called, like the weight loss challenge or something yeah, like yeah, that. It was like the you transformation, know. yeah, yeah, transformation yeah. challenge. You know, so it's it's all all of this is quite new. So to move into a sport. And a sport that's so demanding, training hours wise, you can't get you can't get through. You can get through an Ironman with not huge training volume, but you can't really. Yeah. And and you sort of just went all in. I think there's that you have to give yourself credit for that. There's a huge amount of respect, and I think that's why people sort of went, "Oh wow, that's yeah. that's quite special." Yeah, but it, do you know what? it's funny with through it all, you don't again, you don't kind of realize it. it just sneaks up on you because. To me, it was the people around you. Like, it's it's an individual sport. Yes. But when you realize, like, how many people get you to that stage, 
Yeah. And I, I like I've thought about it with golf recently a lot as well. Like, okay, there, there's individuals, but you know, at a high level, you need a team about you from a fitness trainer to a physio to you know, and even friends, just being able to decompress with friends or have them drag you into stupid, <laughs> stupid things. And, you know, you've, you're in Germany and you've got Steve following you in a van for a 20K while you're riding your bike just to make sure you're all right. Like stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. It's like you don't realize how many people it actually takes to do an Ironman in a, in a way. Yeah, I know yeah. you can go out and do it on your own, but like for me to get there the way I did it was, you know, it was all the people around me that, that kind of got me there. Did you feel anything in the reverse direction, mate? Did you feel any people move away from you? Um, not massively. Not, not, not particularly. I think, it's, I think you definitely kind of um, slim down who you're around mm. regularly because you, you don't just have don't time. have time. <laughs> yeah, no, but like you, you're having to make a decision. Like for me, yeah. it was, I looked at it like I had, I had work, I had training, and I had like call it lifestyle or, you know, going out, whatever way you want to put it but like but for me i definitely took a hit on that lifestyle casual time yes like i did not go out like the team even within work like the team were going for a curry night and because i'm on i was trying to lose some weight to be you know at a decent weight for doing it and like i was sleeping at like 8 or eight thirty at night it's like i had to just say no yeah and you feel so guilty because you're like it's the team and but they also understood um you're having to make that sacrifice because if if you don't make that, then work's going to take the hit, right? Yeah. You've only got so much energy and time that you can put into things and you have to prioritize that. And for me, that was social time was just out the window. Like my social time was on the bike or at Zad's. That was literally it. Like there was no, there wasn't much else for that. Or maybe good, a Saturday two afternoon. Good places. Right? So <laughs> that was pretty much all I had was, uh, was just trying to, Trying to balance those three things out. Really. On the flip side, when you obviously came back and you had all that time back, how did that feel? Again, it's weird. Like even after hurting my hamstring a few weeks back, the first two weeks you just feel guilty. You just feel like you're not doing anything. You should mm. be doing something. And it's trying to figure out, you know, in the in that injury it was like from playing bloody paddle above all things. But <laughs> in that injury window, it's like you've got to prioritize other things. So yes. I kind of had to make, uh, I made like a manual version of Training Peaks in my like notebook. And I came up with five or six things that are like, I call them wins. But yeah. it could be like spend time with somebody. It could be have a coffee with somebody. It could be get a to-do list done. It could be do your mobility stuff. But each month you've got five or six and just anytime you do it, put it on. So nice. You're only ever winning, right? There's no yeah. negative to it. Yeah. So if you can put one thing in each square of that window, you're like... They're all wins, right? Yeah. But it's such a reset from like where you're getting up and blasting yourself to like, right, have a coffee today. <laughs> it's like, it's a complete shift. It's hard. It? I, was, uh, I was chatting to a, a client that I have in the UK yesterday and she's just had some, some surgery on, on her feet. And I think my mum, she said my mum said it on the podcast that I did with mum. And she said, yeah, I know I can. She's a runner, this, this lady that I coach. And she said, I'm obviously looking forward to getting out for a walk because that's the first step to running. She said, but just like your mom said on the podcast, there's nothing quite like running yeah. and, and the feeling you get from it. So it's, it's the same thing. You've, you've invested that time. You've gone and had a coffee with someone instead of going riding. Yeah. But there's always this, this yearning for, for riding, for the, for the dopamine, for the endorphins we get from, from, from the sport. And it could be anything, couldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it, 
the funny thing is how you how you adjust after a while like time is it's amazing what time does because you go that first two weeks and you're going insane and then like maybe by the fifth week you're getting up but you know your usual like five four thirty just because you're in that habit mm. and you're sitting and having a coffee and you're able to watch tv for an hour and you're just like this is great and then you have to go back to training when you start to feel healthy again and then you're like oh i gotta get up and run and it's like you know what i mean it's just complete yeah. switch but like ultimately you end up like it's trying to find balance for for that particular time or that window right yeah and, you know for for pre-ironman it was like get up and blast yourself at 4 a.m and post ironman it's like get up and have a coffee and just try and get your mobility back and do a bit of strength stuff and have you reflected on that and and come to sort of any thinkings like when there's a goal, when it has meaning, you're unstoppable. Yeah, i I think I've I think I realize that like my strength is just getting stuff done. I like th- ticking things off a list. So yeah. if somebody puts something in trainer peaks, it it gets done, right? Like it's that's just my particular strength. It's I don't think I'm unstoppable. I just think I'm a bit stubborn. Right. I think that was kind of the key. like after that. I think that's the conclusion I came to, even in the race. It was like it was always going to get done because I'm just a grumpy old sod that just won't let something not get done, if that makes sense. It's nothing it's nothing special. It's just you're you're stubborn, right? Like things don't lie. Yeah. Things don't just sit with me. They have to get done and ticked off a list and that was just another way of doing it. It's it's much harder going back and like for me the injuring myself a couple of weeks ago, it gave me the chance to really reflect on how well I had done at it. And if you had asked me straight after the race, I would have said, I did everything I could do. Like, I, I did every single thing to the best of my ability. And then when I really looked at it, I was like, you really didn't. <laughs> like, you really didn't. And you're like, no, but like little things like, say, I think it was two or three months out, my heart rate monitor ran out of battery. So I never changed. I was like, you know, the watch will pick it up on the run and it's not maybe that important on the bike and I just, you know, you just kind of put it off and I'm yeah. like, it's actually good like data that you could have had for the next time or for the build up or whatever it was. So it's yeah. like, you could have done that better. It's like, you know, I did my strength stuff and then you go, well, you did the bare minimum strength stuff that you agreed to at the beginning of the journey because part of signing up was obviously with Jess and Tom that said like, you need to do at least this. I was like, all right, no problem. But yeah. in reality, at the end of the day, like by the 35 or 6K mark, my body was giving up. Like there wasn't much more my body could take. And I was like, I wonder if I'd done two or three more strength sessions a week. Would that have wow. changed it? So you're like, at least you know it for the next time if you ever do it. But it's, they're the things that I look back on. And it's kind of, it's, it's almost like an honesty pill in a way. It's like, if you're really honest about it, you could have done more. Do you know what I mean? At what point does that become crippling though, mate? Or does it become like, are you ever going to be satisfied? Um, yeah, like, I would say I'm satisfied now, but like, the, there's int- I think there's a difference between intrigued, being intrigued and being satisfied. Like, I'll never win an Ironman. Right. I'll never ever compete even in an Ironman. I'll never win an age group in an Ironman. But I just wonder like, what I could improve and if I improve certain things, does it make me better? Mm. And I think it's a real, I'm quite lucky because it's a beginner's mindset. And I'm not good enough to have, I suppose, the ego of racing against many people. But like, mm. you're only ever racing against yourself. Yeah. So it's, it's quite nice. And I think it's, it's good for me as a coach as well, because 
with people that I teach, like they're never going to win tournaments. They they might never play to a high level, but it's kind of being able to bring what I'm learning as a beginner triathlete into kind of their coaching, right? Like so how do I get somebody who just wants to be a bit better to see the little ways they can get better? See maybe some of the simple things that they're missing and even see the value in it because I didn't see the value in it and I'm a coach. Mm. So like why did I not see the value in having my heart rate monitor all the time? Like it's such a simple thing, but it's actually probably quite important. Yeah, I'm trying to process it because it's I mean it's so true, mate. Like, you know, if if there's a lot of ifs and buts, right? Because it's like would I have been better if I had to fix my heart rate monitor? Will will we ever know that? No. Would I have been better if I had have done two strength sessions instead of one? You'll never know it because yeah. you'll never have that moment in time again which is and that's the thing it's lovely it's like do you know what for the next time i have something that i can try yes and i'll go out and i'll do all i'll I'll do the heart rate monitor and i'll add more strength and mobility stuff in and you know if i get worse it's like okay there's your there's at least part of an answer yeah i'll never be in that time again right like even even i was thinking about it the other day with like experiences and stuff like that everybody's lives are is constantly changing so you end up with it like ross was just the perfect like culmination of everything from the people we went with to where it was the weather like it was just it was perfect yeah like, it couldn't have gone any better at that time and if i i nearly signed up for roth again this year and i in the end i chose not to because i was like <laughs> it can never compare yeah like maybe in a few years but like i was just like if you're signing up to get that experience you're not going to get it. Yeah. It might be good, it might be better, it might be different, but it's not going to be that. So don't sign up for it that. It has to be something different. Yes. The and motivation to, has to be different, right? Yeah. And you've got yeah. to enjoy whatever it is. Yeah. Right? Like it's don't do it for the sake of doing the same race again. Do it because like I've been lucky, all the races I've gone to have had brilliant experiences with people. It's not been about just doing the race like whether it was dubai for my first one here with everybody from inner fight you go to greece we had a lovely group you go to roth we had a great group like it's always been about the people and Mm. i think that's why i'm lucky is you're never going to really compete like i'm never going to try and make a world championship unless i'm 70 and still as stubborn as i am and doing it (laughs) so like you're like you can just go and enjoy and just enjoy the race and try and beat yourself and you know beat your splits and things like that and yeah, it's quite nice. Do you think the, the golf's a really complex game, and to be good, you have to be exceptionally good in a number of super unique situations. Because, and where where I'm going with this, mate, you you never have the same shot from the same place twice. Yeah. So you're almost training so like. <laughs> You're training in these different scenarios to be perfect, but to swing perfectly no matter where you are. So it's, is it that detail that sort of brings, I'm trying to figure out where your mindset comes from. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to see if there's a link between golf into this, or if we did that a little bit different. If we, then what could we, because it's an amazing mindset because you're saying, yeah, it's cool. I had a great time. But I wonder what if we just tweak that or if we did one more strength session here or... Yeah, I th- like I say, I think it's 
I think the the brilliant thing about golf is it's probably the most random sport <laughs> going because you're never like you say you're never hitting the same shot twice. So you're learning to adapt. Like it's kind con- like for me, golf is constant adaptation. Whereas like most golfers who come to me, especially beginners, they want like I was using inverted commas when I say it, they want consistency. Mm. But actually, what they need is adaptability because they don't stand on a driving range and hit fifty balls the same way. You're hitting from different lies, different slope, different things of like that. And that's where triathlon for me is, in a way, a little bit easier because it's predictable. Mm. Like, if you run a certain time of a marathon, it's unlikely you're going to beat that time by a huge amount. Do you know what I mean? Like, you might be able to marginalize it, but, you know, it's unlikely that your paces are either going to increase massively or decrease massively. Mm. So there's a little more, it's a little bit more structured. Whereas with golf, hardest part about golf is you could be doing everything right and making absolutely no <laughs> progress like because there's just so many things that either need to go right or go wrong mm. so like you can put training and training and training in and just it just doesn't change and you've got to look for the little glimmers of light like Faisal one of the one of the guys that I teach um, from Saudi like even yesterday you know he's uh he's put in he's moved over to Dubai from Saudi he's put in a load of work the last few months like he has shown up every morning 7am he's just worked and worked and worked mm. and like the results just haven't shown the work he's put in and you, you just there's like little bits of it and a good score here and there and yesterday he went out and he had an atrocious start and like we're obviously looking at every score every we get to see every whole score so we're like he's pulled himself back and he's like he's flying i'm like brilliant i look at it two holes to go and he's got a par five and he's a big hitter so it's like chances are he's going to make a birdie and that gets him back to level par and I refresh it 20 minutes later and I, I can't find his name and I scroll right down the bottom and he's made a 10 up the last and you're just <sighs> like and you're so I'm so upset for him because yeah. like you're like right he's showing it and then he's gone out today and he's put in a really low he shot 67 five under and you're like oh. you're just so happy for him you're just so like like okay that shows that just gives you that like okay you know you've played out of 36 holes, you've had 34 fantastic holes. You just have to, like, just two more holes, and we're like, that's brilliant. Like, we're through the cut, and you've done this and this. And I think that's the thing. Like like I say, you look at the overall results, he's missed the cut. But if you look at most of it, he's done very well. Yeah. So it's kind of like doing marathon and getting to 40K, and you're smashing it, and then 42, and you just collapse. But, like, the work is there, and you maybe just need to pace it a bit better or eat an extra carb gel, or it doesn't take much yeah so i suppose the adjustments just seem a bit smaller to me because we have so many to think about there's a little bit less when it comes to the the triathlon side of it what is it then let's stay on that on golf what is it that not made him shoot 10 on the 18th yesterday but how he's he's shot 10 on that hole and he's five under today yeah how do people come back so that's that's insane like that's a big swing how do what's the mindset i have to ask him today what like what he felt the difference was but like even yesterday i said to him you know my my last comment to him before um before the afternoon was just like look you've played 16 perfect holes today like and he felt good he knew it was good I said, you've made two bloopers where you've you've hit the ball into the water twice and like, look, it's two bad shots. It just costs you so much more. I'm like, just 
go and win tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like win the day and yeah. we can all we can do is just go for tomorrow and shoot an under par round and that will give us a little bit more strength going into the following week. And we had it a couple of weeks ago as well. We had said like he had an all right, not great first day, and I was like, Right, let's just see can we win the day tomorrow, which would have been for us at that time an under par round. Yeah. So like you're trying to break it down into smaller wins and like I say, like win the win the day rather than necessarily win the tournament. So for him trying to grow and develop, it's it's much more about winning the day. And I think that's probably what we take into, like, the triathlon stuff. Like, I remember Into the Dark, mm. the year I'd done it. And, you know, when I got to 40K, I was ready, literally ready to quit. If anybody else apart from you and Stacia's there, I'm out. I'm done. Mm. I'm ringing Steve-O and saying, give me a lift home. <laughs> and then you abuse me for five minutes. And then you're <laughs> like, right, well, I have to get to Zads now. So it's like, how do you break it down and get there? So it was... Mm all the white posts along the left-hand side, it was like run four, walk two, and again, it's just finding a way to, to win the next <laughs> little bit, even if it's just very, very small. It's interesting because it, it links back into what you said about when you came back from Roth, and I think this is a huge learning from people. You've come back from a massive high, and that's the time I think we're most vulnerable where things can go off a bit because you've been so absorbed in this goal and now you don't really have a goal. So you're in limbo. So, you know, a, a late night with friends or some bad food or just a few bad decisions, they're actually in that moment quite inconsequential, but you flipped it the other way that you created a chart, a matrix within your journal and you're just looking for, things to be successful on, on on that day like you said your your own handwritten training peaks in your book to try and to try and make sure that you maybe maybe you were shit scared mate maybe you didn't maybe you thought you'd go into that lull of yeah late night at, late nights out and food was that on your mind i think well not so much that but more it's like you say you're on a low mm. so like i always i don't you're know on what, the ultimate high but yeah. you know it can be the ultimate low as well but like to me at the at the end of it i always get a real low after races after like racing really? yeah i don't know why i've just always like even crossing the finish line i'm never on a high on the finish line i don't know why interesting it's i've never really had that like go across the finish line and you feel absolutely delighted mm. ross was probably the closest you go across the finish line and all your friends are there and you're just like this is cool like you're with your friends mm. but like yeah, I think when I got back, and especially when I injured myself, you're like, right, well, you, you don't get the hit of that run or that bike, so you're like, right, your head is in, I don't want to say in the gutter, but your head is definitely like on a downer. By me crossing stuff off a list or adding stuff as wins, mm. it like helps you at least feel like you're achieving something in a day, and you're not just wasting a day. Yeah. And I put down things like study was one, read a book, and they're easy things because, like, if you think of read a book, it's not read 10 pages or 20 pages. It's just if you read a page, if, if you read a line, like, you've picked it up and you've done it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was trying to fill, fill days with things that are meaningful without getting too sidetracked and just, just watching nonstop Netflix or something. You know <laughs> what I mean? So, like, if I'm up at 4 and I'm, like, 4 or 4.30 and I have coffee and stuff, it's like, all right, you can sit there for an hour and a half while you wait to go to work or you could, you know, all right, I've got to, I could get a goal done here really quick and read a page. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like just trying to find, find ways to almost distract yourself from the fact that you can't train. What are you doing then to, what do you do for personal development, mate? Oh, everything. <laughs> Podcasts a lot. Podcasts yeah. have been great. Like I've really enjoyed that. And people outside of, 
my own domain, like listening to different, sp- like I love sport in general. Yes. It's cool. It's cool seeing the same problem crop up in different sports. Like I find that very, very interesting. Yeah. Like whether it be, you know, what we do or whether it be football or how managers deal with players or all of those things, like you can feed them all back in. And then there's also like coaching courses and things that you can go on. And like, I love the psychology of it. Yes. So like I, I was going to do a master's in sports psychology this year. And then I thought, it was just too much too soon. So I had gotten accepted for September. And then I thought, you know, just maybe just pump the brakes. Don't don't tip yourself over the edge to yeah. go into a master's and after just finishing a year of, like, Ironman training. So I'm going to do a much smaller course in January. I think it's, like, eight weeks or something like that. Just to intro to, intro to it. And then yes. I'll probably do that next September or something like that. Do you still think there's a lot to learn to help people more? Yeah, I, I like when you look at coaches that coaches that I suppose have achieved really high levels consistency consistently. There's definitely more you can learn. There's there's always like you think of the best coaches. You think of someone like a Pep Guardiola or a Alex Ferguson or Dave Brailsford, or you're like they have something that a lot of people don't have. Yeah, I mean, even my boss Claude, his dad Butch, you know, my ex-boss JP, like they, they all just have that. Whether it be a little more knowledge or just knowing when to say the right thing, how to say it, like, and it's not necessarily information. It's knowing the what and the when and the how to deliver something, deliver yeah. a message. So, like when I watch Claude teach, like people just hang on his word. It's like they just love it, and you could say the exact same thing I say but he'll say it better and he'll say it with a better attitude and he'll say it like a little bit brighter and he'll emphasize a certain word over others. And like, there's a skill to that. Do you think he read that in books and listened to podcasts to get it? No, not necessarily. But I, I also think he's got a very unique upbringing in that he mm. grew up watching the best golf coach in the world every day of the week. And he had Tiger Woods who he would look after and all these amazing players. But I don't think you can necessarily either recreate something or um, have one way of doing it. Mm. So I think for me, if I can come up with like a different perspective from listening to somebody else, mm. it's not a bad thing. I don't think you'll find it all from podcasts and books. I think you have to do it. Yeah. But you think doing it is my easy bit in a way. Like I do the 10 hours of coaching a day, but it's trying to find something that you could drop in a lesson or drop in a conversation that just tweaks things. And it could come from anywhere. Like I listened to one on, I think it was the CEO of Pixar. He had said something about a meeting. Like if he was, if he was having a meeting with his team, he would ask Steve Jobs not to say anything for 10 minutes. He, would let the, he said, let them talk and let them speak and, and allow the conversation to develop. Because if you set the tone of the conversation, they'll all follow. You're the yes. leader. Whereas if they start it, that's the tone set and the conversation can flow. And like even with our team at work, I've been trying to do this in our meetings recently where like we've had, we did a presentation with one of them yesterday and I, I, it's so hard to stay quiet for 10 minutes and not say anything because yeah. you've got all these things in your head, but it really does let these young guys like give really good information and good presentations and it lets them flow a bit more. And It can go both ways though, right? Yeah. Because yeah. if, if you don't set the tone that you want, yeah. Uh, then the whole energy of the meeting can go and then you actually spend 
after you've broken your silence after 10 minutes, you, sh- you can, you spend the, the rest of the time trying to get it back onto yeah, where you want yeah, yeah. to get to, but it's, that's where it's the goal, right? Like, it's like, if I have something that I need done or an outcome that I need from a meeting, I'll eat it. Right. But if I have something that like maybe I've asked them to do and ask for some information or there's no harm in me just shutting up for a while. Yeah. Right. Like, so it, it's kind of just judging it, but it's the same with coaching, right? Like if you have a premeditated thing that you want to get done, like, the bad lesson that I gave that I felt like, okay, I, I know how to fix this and I know what he needs and I just need to deliver it better. Like I'll go in and lead that. Yeah. But if you have somebody coming that has a couple of ideas that they want to explore and if you jump in with your opinion straight away, then they never get that across to you. You ruin their creativity, right? Yeah. 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 So it's, it's a balance and that's the coaching side, right? Like that's the balance of knowing what it is that I suppose knowing, knowing, when and how to say something right or even sometimes just not to say it at all i think that's the latter is i think the hardest for everyone definitely and you you had said it to me and i had asked you a question a couple of weeks ago and and you had completely twisted around the way the way i wanted to deliver it and i was like you know that makes a lot of but if i hadn't reached out to you and said it i would i wouldn't have gotten it it's the same if i didn't listen to a podcast maybe i just don't have one little insignificant you know or seemingly insignificant piece of information that someday i'll just call upon and use and yeah if it's at the right time then great i think one of the biggest tools so far that i've that i've picked up from this is is the reflection on the actual coaching hours yeah because you have so much data yeah and i think that's really i mean mate, I, you know i love i love podcasts i appreciate everyone that listens to this podcast and hopefully i'm the same I, and, and i've said this a lot in, in in the close to 900 shows we've done like don't listen to this conversation today and take everything you've said but listen and take one thing and and do it really well you know and and because i think that gives people anxiety as well you know you listen or you read a book and I, i've seen this a lot with people they'll read a book on whatever it is motivation leadership it could could be a number of different things and the next day they've got a list of 10 things that they want to do and it's hard to say to someone you're going to fail at all of them but they are whereas it's just like just do one thing there's very few people and it's the same with with nutrition most people yeah for a few days they can cut out everything they need to but a lot of people and this is what we worked on we're like okay we'll just we'll take that out and we'll see how we go and then you only have one thing to focus on yeah. and you can put all your energy into it and there's no anxiety. Whereas too many people are working on too many things at once and there's no, there's no, there's no absolute focus. Yeah. And it's, it's actually one of the things that like I've found using a journal helps. Yes. It's like I'll take all of those things in, like those 10 things on the list, they will go in that. But I will pick from that one and then the rest of them you can use to explore later on. So you, yeah. even just every so often, I'll just flick back through stuff. And like, it's funny what you come across. And go, oh yeah, I remember, I remember writing that. That could be quite interesting for the next month or, you know what I mean? So you, you can kind of almost sieve through it and you can filter it mm. rather than going, right, there's 10 things that I need. It's like, okay, well, what's the one? So that example from, from the Pixar guy was a simple one. I was like, you know, it doesn't take much for me to do a month where I just let somebody else lead this stuff. Mm. And like, just see, see what happens. And it might be a disaster. And if it is, I'll never do it again, but it also might work really well. And if so, it might be something that we just continue and it just rolls into being normal rather than focusing on it. And then I can focus on something else. 
there's something with you lead a team. There's something with empowering those coaches. You have some young guys, you have some guys that have been with you for a while. And I learned the other day, you have an insanely low turnover yeah. as well. <laughs> Do you ever think about things like that and the, the team, like we've had your team in here and, and it, it's such an interesting dynamic because everyone's on the same page, but they're all, they're all really individual yeah. and you can see that, but they're team players and that's what, that's what makes it a good team. How do you, do you ever reflect on, on your teammate and think that's actually how we built that? Yeah, all, all the time. Really? Yeah, yeah, all the time. And even, even when we're introducing people, like it's, you have to introduce the right person because if you introduce the wrong one, it can mess up the whole team and it can throw them off. And we've had that before and luckily we got it fixed quite quickly, but you know, it's, I, I'm really lucky with the balance of the team that we have. Because while they're all totally different, they do balance each other out 100%, very good. Yeah, and they all have the same goal. They're all really hard workers. You know, they're all willing to stand up for each other. If somebody's having a hard time, they all help each other out, and it makes it makes it really easy for me because I can step away from stuff knowing that they're all good. Mm. And look, you get little times where you know one of us is struggling with something, and that includes me. And it's great because you nearly always got somebody else who's going to take that slack when when you need it right like mm. and and the guys do a really good job of that but yeah there's definitely a balance of personalities within the team you've got some guys who are more serious than others you have some guys who are very very jokey you've got you know some guys who are really diligent at paperwork and structure and you know which is not me at all so <laughs> you know i rely quite heavily on those yeah. Um, and then there's some guys where when you need a situation dealt with you just send them in and you know it'll get looked after in the right way so I think balance balance of the team and kind of how they're doing is is really important to me, and I think even even more so just how they how they're dealing with stuff and helping them with their goals. Because remember, as much as I've got goals and I want to achieve things, they they also do, and yeah. for them to feel progression, they they kind of need to need to be able to feel like they can push towards those goals all the time. Outside of golf, what? sporting leaders you mentioned Pep Guardiola you mentioned Alex Ferguson what who do you look up to Oof. um do you know it's, it could it's, be Alex Ferguson he's in yeah. terrible shape have you watched Beckham's documentary yeah yeah I've, I have watched it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, was, I think you know, I don't have I wouldn't say I have one like I suppose that the immediate ones are always you know for me it's always been Butch Claude and JP because that's in They're golf. Hard mate. to outside beat. That's in golf. golf. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Out, outside of golf. Full stitch up here. <laughs> um, I, I found uh, Blumenfeld's coach very, very interesting. To yeah. And the, the thing that threw me was because I was listening to him, expecting everything to be pure data. I think when I, the podcast I'd listened to him on him, he had been asked at the end of it, and it was kind of a lead in question because one of the sponsors, I think, was Whoop. Yeah. And it was like, all right, so like what? piece of kit or technology is it you know that would change somebody's life or that they need to measure and he just said just eat well and sleep well and like that was his thing he was like look all this stuff we do it's nice it's one percent but if they don't eat well and sleep well they're just never going to and i thought that was a really good mm. outlook for me i was like you know it's like okay he's got all this data stuff in the background but really at the heart of it he's a good coach right like he's dealing with the people and the more I've seen on him has been, he seems like a really good, interesting coach. And even the fact he came out with, uh, I don't like triathlons. 
He's like, what do you mean? And he's like, I'm not really interested in triathlon at all. And he's like, what are you interested in? He's like, just human performance. Yeah. I was like, like that's, it's a bit different, right? It's a bit interesting. It was interesting after the 2003 World Cup when Clive Woodward went over to football from, from managing England yeah. in, in, in the World Cup rugby. And then he went over to football and it kind of fizzled out. But then I look at, I mean, I always loved Mourinho at Chelsea obviously yeah. and I, I never really researched it I just took it and ran with it because I loved the concept that he actually never really played football yeah he was just a he was a manager right? he was just a manager yeah and and the passion okay a lot of it I guess was bravado and yeah. you know he was taking the light off the players whatever it was but it was yeah he, he just he just wanted to win and he wanted he wanted the players to do well. Yeah. I think people who cross over in sports are very interesting. Like, yeah, that's got to be just hard. Would I you do it? Cross over in sport? I, I, I wouldn't do it from a. I wouldn't do it from a physical point of view. I could never do. Like, if you took, like training, I don't think I could ever cross over into like a run coach or something like that. You'd mm. want to. I'd feel like you'd want to have a background in it, in some way. Like you yeah. have to have played to a decent level. And I just don't think I could ever... There's no other sport that I could think of that I could do that. Yeah. I think from a mental side, maybe. Like, you might be able to get into the psychology side of it because I find it quite similar across sports. Mm. Um, but no, I don't think I could ever... Yeah, I've always struggled. I, I've always... As far as people that I've worked with as coaches that have coached me, I've always wanted to know what their athletic background yeah. was. Yeah, for sure. I could Like, I couldn't... I couldn't contemplate giving somebody advice on any other sport. Yeah. In the physical sense, like I could never recommend a formation for a football team or, uh, you know, rugby. Like as much as I know the sports. Yeah. I don't. I'd always feel like I'm on massively on the back foot. But that's why they have technical directors and and mindset coaches. I mean, in in Dan Carter's new book, he talks as much about and and the guy's name slips my mind uh, but the mindset coach then he talks about really anything else yeah. it's and, and that's somebody in another sport like as much as dan carter's maybe not i don't think he's coaching yet but from the things he says like he is one person i would massively look up to because the yeah. way he goes about things and the way he talks about things and if he is going into coaching he would make a very good coach yeah, yeah, I thought about that a lot. I, I read his book and then I watched on Emirates. Yeah. There's his documentary, documentary yeah. as well. And obviously a lot, of it's, a lot of it's the same. But I actually thought about, because I've read a lot of sports autobiographies of, of rugby players as well. It's, I think that's what I spent my 20s reading, one book every two years, not, not very fast. But he... He struck a lot of chords different. Now, I don't know if yeah. it's the author that's put or, and the documentary put together, but I think it's a lot of the stuff that we've spoken about before and around culture of where he was brought up and that's what, and hard work, and that's what really, I think that's why we gravitate towards him, mate. Yeah. And that's why, yeah. and he was, I mean, he was rugby player of the year like two or three times. Yeah. You know, he, he was phenomenal. Like there's know. definitely something different about those. Like you look at like a him or a Tiger Woods yeah. or any of the guys who get to the top of anything at Michael Jordan, there's just a switch there that's, that has to be 
just completely different. It's not even a, you couldn't even call it a talent. It's just something, they're just a different human than mm. anything we could ever contemplate, right? Like to, yeah. to do some of the things they do when they do them is just, I find it so hard to imagine what it's like being in that. But yeah, it's cool to watch and it's cool right. to hear them talk about it and, you know, even Wilkinson, like some of the stuff he did. Yeah. And you're like, it's, it's amazing. Like that, and that to me, I suppose, rather than saying a coach outside of, but like, I love looking at these players who have achieved a high level in anything and you're like geez how did they do that yeah how what did they do to get to that i think Uh, that's what makes golf so interesting because when you've got a tournament over four days the number of shots that get played you you always see some absolute magic whereas in in a rugby game you can watch it for 80 minutes and i know it's not across four days like a tournament but and it can be a bit like uh and yeah. then, yeah, Carter will do something or Johnny Wilkins will do something. But that's what's always really intrigued me about golf is that you're just like, how the fuck did he get the ball from there to, to there, over yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, it's just, they're, they're really, I guess they're special moments in sport. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, you, I suppose it depends on what sport you're coming from and too. You know, I look at certain things in rugby games and go, how in <laughs> the hell has he even thought of doing something like that yeah you know what i mean but i think that's where it's you can be a, a fan of your sport or you can be a sports fan i think you know the cool thing about being able to be a sports fan is you get hit in every direction with cool things whether it be from american football to cycling to golf it's like you get to appreciate the moments and and kind of enjoy them and do you think you look at sport now a lot different to how you looked at it two years ago, five years ago, because of this path that you're on? Yeah, de- definitely. I definitely appreciate sport more. Yeah. I really enjoy, yeah, I really enjoy, like, just seeing, I suppose, seeing the difficult things get done and seeing how coaches, like, tackle things and how players go about things and, like, actually being able to to try to use some of the things that they, that they do. And, you know, it can be simple things, it can be complicated things. And yeah. Yeah, just enjoy. It's cool to be a part of it. I couldn't imagine not having sport in life. It is quite cool. I couldn't imagine. And I think it actually helps with life a lot. It helps you if if you're into sport of any level and you can kind of get into the mindset of dealing with hard things. It helps you deal with other other stuff quite, I won't say easily, but definitely better than if you haven't got something like that in your life. So you obviously consciously realize that the impact of your Ironman on your coaching. Yes. Yes, that's definitely. Cool. Yeah. So I think, and that's, that might sound quite obvious so, so late in this conversation to people, but I think a lot of people go through things like an Ironman or through, or through tough times in life, and it could be on, on, on any sort of level, things that change them. And they almost have this innate ability to just compartmentalize it and move on. And, and I respect that massively. But what I see is everything that you did over there, or not everything, but a lot of the stuff that you did over there for your Ironman is slowly feeding into making you a better coach, which you, it's, only, it's the right thing to do. You spend all those hours, but so many people don't do it, mate. Yeah, and it, again, it's, I suppose it's just, it just goes back to that reflection stuff. It's, yeah. it's not something I naturally would have done before. And I think when you're... I think one of the advantages of triathlon over the other ones is that you've got so much time on your own. <laughs> There's not much you can do other than think. Yeah. And like, whether that be good thoughts, bad thoughts, but there's thoughts. So you, you know, if, 
if you've got that little bit of time, random things just come into your head. Like even this morning when I text you, I was like running in the rain. I'm like, damn, I forgot to write back to Marcus. So I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, message it was like two days ago. I was like, I was like, I never wrote back. I'm like, but it's just a thought, right? Like, and yeah, I think, you know, whether it be the triathlon helping my coaching, whether it be that helping my life or, you know, any other way around you want to look at it. I think, yeah, to, to me, you know, sport kind of reflects life and life mm. reflects in sport. And I think the two go hand in hand. I don't think you can really, I don't think you can separate them. I think anybody who's into sport, yeah. if they're feeling generally good, they'll probably do a better job. And yeah. I think yeah. just, yeah, it's, it's kind of learning from everything you do, right? Mate, incredible. We're almost at an hour. Thank you very much. We might have to have another hour. We might play uh, like a four-day... 19th old. Four-day competition. Twice in one year. I think you're the first guest I've had on twice in one year. But to be honest, mate, after the first time we spoke, everyone's like, you've got to get Jamie back on. Thank you very much. It was was actually... It was exactly what you said. I just put it in my notebook. And then when I found a good time, we, we managed to tee up. So thanks for replying no reply to me this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you had the whole morning cancelled and nothing to do. <laughs> Brilliant. But good excuse. <laughs> mate, you've had, a, you've had a great year. It's been, it's been good to watch, to be, I guess, a part of. And, and thanks for, for allowing us and, and the community to be a part of it, mate. Because I think it, you've helped more people within our community because of the way that you've gone about what you've gone about. And I think that's pretty cool as well. So even indirectly, subconsciously, you could say you've helped a lot of people, which is amazing. Thank you. Thanks a lot.